Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn with Go Long here with Jim Monas for another episode of the Go Long podcast. I believe this is episode 10. I think we hit double digits, Jim. I still, you know, I keep saying it every week. It's to hit 10 and not be fired yet. It's, I'm so, you know, I'm used to getting fired and it feels good to keep a job right now. This is nice. I mean, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. You know, this whole being our own boss thing is, is pretty fun. I love it. It's great. What are, you, uh, what are you sipping on tonight? We're not at Hamburg, so what are you sipping on? Right, yeah, we should tell the folks, our uh, our great partners there at Hamburg Brewery, we're, we're not there. We're remote. Um, cause they just opened up, too, so people should go down there and, and get some beer. It's more than takeout now. You can actually hang out. Uh, still working a little bit longer now. The new... Bill-themed lager with Citra 6.0. It's smooth. It has a little bite. Hits you just right on a Thursday night. Well, you know, Whaley and I, we always tend to go back to our champagne of beers, Miller High Life, and that's kind of my go-to. I don't – I'm a little, I'm out of Hamburg brewing beer right now, so that's – Why you're a little call. sad over there? I, I sense a little sadness. Well, this is, you know, this is like water. You know, mm-hmm. this keeps you hydrated. Water, piss. You know, As it's been it's been said, but it's champagne, the champagne of beers. That's true. That's true. You lived in you lived in Wisconsin. I mean Miller. I mean, I will say this, and and my buddy Kyle Kusen, I'm going to tell him to listen to this too, so he can weigh in. In Wisconsin, you're kind of broken off into two. Like the you either order Miller Lite all the time, and that's it. Like my buddy Coos, that that's all he would order. If you get anything else, he'd give you a funny look and say, you know, get the hell out of here. That's like the house beer anywhere you go in Wisconsin. Or you, you decide to think outside of the box, you know, discover your palate, a little, get a little crazy. And there's amazing breweries everywhere in Wisconsin. Glarus, the best. Moon Man, Spotted Cow, so many beers. Um, I will say one of our loyal listeners, readers, Jesse from Wisconsin, just shipped me a box of beer from New Glarus, too. So... Thank you, Jesse. You're the man. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the way you got to go. I think you got to explore a, a little bit, or you just stick with Miller Lite. You stick with the basics. Well, I don't like I, Miller Lite's not for me. I like High Life. But you know, you've opened my eyes to some beers and the breweries, and you know, I'm I'm enjoying it. And, and you know, it's it, there is a big difference. I mean, I get it. It's it's like Olive Garden, and it's like you know, a big-time restaurant. I get it. All right. Well, we got some football to talk about, Jim. Um, Down to four, Championship Sunday. Some would say the best sports day of the year. You know, when I was talking to Don Beatty for our Q&A there, I think he made a really good point. He said, you know, those are the best memories that he ever had playing sports, not not just because they lost four Super Bowls. We talked to people around – um, the league that had played, they said that feeling of winning in the conference championship game and knowing you're going to the Super Bowl, it almost kind of trumps 
any other feeling you could have. And you did win it in Green Bay, and it, it was almost anticlimactic when they when he actually win the Super Bowl. That 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 feeling of going, it's just unrivaled, I think. So, in New Orleans, when we beat the Vikings in the NFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl, I can just tell you that weekend. My friend, I had my best friend from high school, Quincy Miller, was down in New Orleans with me. We we still talk about that weekend, and mm-hmm. and we went to the Super Bowl as well and had a, an incredible time. But but the championship weekend in New Orleans to see the streets flooded like that after we won, and you know I'm not obviously I wasn't playing, but being a part of it and part of the team, it was um you can't really put it into words. It, it's one of those things you just feel fortunate that you're a part of it. I mean, after a Super Bowl win, what does Bourbon Street look like at about 5, 6 a.m. the next the next morning? Look, we're going to have to do a whole pod on after we won the Super Bowl because we flew back and we kicked off Mardi Gras. And it was – we were in the, we were on floats. Like, I mean, I was on the linebacker float. I was Jonathan Vilma. <laughs> I mean, it was nuts. Like Jeremy Shockey was out of his mind that night. I just remember all the guys. Like it was, and it was, it was actually freezing cold the night we had the parade. It was like four, well, freezing cold for New Orleans, not possible. Yeah. But it was just, I couldn't even believe I was a part of it. I mean, it was like a mile long parade. It took like four hours. We couldn't move. I mean, it was just that packed. That's unreal. I won't be going back there for a few years. I mean, it was a pretty rough bachelor party. You got to give it, give it some time in between visits. I feel like it. It's pretty intense. It can hit you hard, that city. How many days are you down there? Three. Three? Yeah, that'll that'll do it to you. Yeah, yeah. So that feeling? I'm you know, sorry, go ahead. When we were scouting for the States, um, we usually stayed in, um, like, Metairie, where our facility was. There was a Marriott out that way. When scouts, when we would come oh, into yeah. town, they would put us up there. But the, the, that hotel was booked for some reason, so they put us at the Marriott downtown, right in the midst. Like, we're right in the French Quarter. And I just know as scouts, we're all like, we're either going to be broke, fat, like we're going to lose our family members, girlfriends, like it's this this isn't right. We can't be staying here. We need we need to get out of this quarter. But um, that's self awareness. That really is. New Orleans is is crazy. I mean it's it's I mean obviously it's it's Vegas. It's it's Vegas with better food. You know it's it's everything. Chiefs, I think we should talk a little bit about how these teams and how these quarterbacks got here, Jim. I mean, you know, these are these are obviously two of the, if not the, the two young quarterbacks that will be the face of the, the NFL for a long time. So, you know, what was the turning point for each of these guys to get to this moment? I think that would be fun to discuss a little bit. I mean, with, with your intel and who I've talked to as well, like, these are two guys. They they weren't considered, you know, that that Andrew Luck prospect. You know, some prospects, Trevor Lawrence, right now coming up, where you just almost know by the time you know that that sonogram hits that this guy's going to be special. <laughs> They're anointed a long, long time ago. Wasn't the case with Josh Allen and Fireball. Wasn't the case for for Patrick Mahomes. You know, when when he's coming up, and and yeah, I, I know his dad played professional baseball and everything, but as as we can talk about. You know, at Texas Tech, he wasn't necessarily the hardest worker of the bunch. Um, kind of needed to uh, change his habits in the weight room. Uh, but, but yeah, like, I mean, how, how did these two guys get to this point where they are the future of the league, it sure seems right now? I feel like we need to give credit to the coaching staffs because, you know, Kansas City saw this in him. Mahomes, they and he sat that first year, which you know you can't put a price on that. What he probably sat back and learned, and you read the stories how he learned a lot about reading coverages and being professional. You know the arm, the arm, you know the arm, the ability to throw the ball was always there. Then he takes it; he has that incredible intelligence and fearlessness in his play, and it's just so natural on the field. And and I still think you have to give credit to them developing him, and I think the same goes for Josh Allen. It didn't go as fast for Josh as it did Mahomes, but to think, I mean, you re, we talked about this. You redraft the 17 draft, obviously Mahomes number one. You redraft that 18 draft, I think Josh Allen's number one. And 
to you know to think that a lot of teams didn't see that type of you know superstar number one talent in these guys. They saw the arm strength, but obviously they needed to work on things. So I think you have to give Dable credit, McDermott credit, Andy Reid, you know, Bieniemy, you know, all these guys had a part in in him developing both of them. Such a great point. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. You know, we we've talked about a lot of them. Like if I mean, if Patrick Mahomes is thrown into the the Rick Denniston, David Cully, Tyrod Taylor mix, what happens in that situation? I mean, I. I Tyrod Taylor is, is one of the hardest working players in the entire NFL. I mean, he's one of the first guys in the building. I mean, you know that. And very good player in his own right. I don't know if he's necessarily going to hold his hand out and show a rookie the way, in a way, a veteran like Alex Smith kind of did in, in Kansas City. It's not a knock on Tyrod. Tyrod's just fighting like hell for, for his job. I mean, that, he's in that mode, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's all hypothetical. It's all counterfactual. But – I kind of go back even further with Mahomes, um, and I know you've talked to people around the league too, so if you want to chime in, go ahead. But like at Texas Tech, going in his last year there, um, Cliff Kingsbury w- was pretty up front and first talked to Nick Shimanick, who was Mahomes' backup quarterback, and said, look, if you want to play, you know, you can get this guy out of here after his junior year. Like, because they're the same age. Like, you know, help this guy declare early and get to that point. He needs to work a little harder in the weight room. He needs to, you know, get himself in, in the gear. I mean, this is a quarterback who his teammates are making fun of him for being chubby, for being fat, telling him to go eat another cheeseburger. I have mean, talked to them. This is, what this is what they're saying to him. I mean, it's all playful, obviously, but who would think that the best player in the sport – you know, had a dad bod in college, and it needed it needed to, to work harder. And Nick Stimenek, who is a workout freak, I mean, you can follow him on social media. The guy has got no no body fat to him, just unreal. I mean, he, he got him working. I mean, they were in that weight room all the time. Patrick Mahomes just kind of recommitted himself. And I got to think that helped him have that last season that he had at Texas Tech and, and got him on that radar, got him to declare early, and nobody's questioned the guy's work ethic ever at all. I, I mean, you don't hear anything at all. He's just kind of a wizard out there. So I I don't know. I mean, in your circles, Jim, what what did you hear down those lines? It, was, it wasn't anything that was going to scare you away from the homes. It, it was just, yeah, he doesn't – he might not love the weight room, which, mm-hmm. you know, for a quarterback, that's okay. Does he love football is the real question that you want to know when you're scouting a guy. And he loves football. He loves competing. He's tough as you – know, he's tough as hell. So it wasn't about the weight – the weight room for a quarterback, honestly. it It's nice if they – you know, as long as they're – and they're working hard when they're in there. But we know how much goes into throwing a football – game planning, reading defenses. It's not about, you know, it's yeah. not about the weight strength. And it was more important that he just kind of played all these other sports. I mean, he just re- redefined the position with that experience in baseball and basketball and golf. I mean, they say, you know, he can drive it anywhere on the course. It's, it's. I mean, it's such a, another lesson. You hear these lessons a lot with professionals, but, like, if you've got a kid and – you know, maybe specializing in one sport isn't the way to go. It's such a benefit to use different muscles in different ways in different sports, and, and Patrick Mahomes is really the embodiment embodiment of that. Well, we're sitting here talking about Texas Tech and Wyoming, Josh Allen, Wyoming. Yeah. So, you know, they're not going against the, the big-time defenses. You know, so, you know, when you're watching them on tape and you're seeing some questionable decision-making or throws, you're like, you know, we talked about this, but it's you shake your head like how they're they're not going to get away with that stuff in the NFL. But these guys are getting away with some. You know, they they make they make shaky decisions in games. I, they both do. They both make throws. You just like you wouldn't coach them to make that throw, but they have that ability to do it, and they they get away with it. They don't hurt their team. They're not reckless with it, but they're that talented where they can get away with it. Yeah, you got to have that element. In today's game, I mean, I think every one of Patrick Mahomes' interceptions are in the pocket, you know. For everybody that thinks you need to operate in the pocket solely for an entire game, that's just not how you – I mean, obviously there's the Tom Brady's of the world, and and Aaron Rodgers has has been a more in-the-pocket quarterback, but 
I don't know. I mean, it sure looks to me like you can make a living going all over the place, improvising, doing whatever the hell you want at that position. <laughs> I can't wait to see how Mahomes actually is moving around because yeah. before he went out of that game, it wasn't the, the concussion obviously is concerning, but he was he was limping around. And if he's not able to be full speed and really create like he creates, I really I still think the Bills win this game. But I think that's something to pay attention to because a lot of Mahomes' success is improvising out of the pocket. Did you see some of that being uh, – was he trying to compensate? Was he trying to, you know, take it a little easy then? Like what, what signs do you look for when a quarterback isn't himself in terms of moving around? I think if he's trying to get rid of the ball pretty quick because, you know, he – he he'll get he'll you can the way he can snap it off when he gets the snap when he gets the ball sometimes he can just it's insane how fast he can get rid of the ball. But if he's in the pocket and not trying to make plays, I think that's your first sign where where if you see him get a rush and he's throwing the ball away or forcing a ball, that to me is a sign that hey he's not confident in his scrambling ability right now, maybe because of the injury. Is Sammy Watkins a factor? In this game, Jim, your boy. Hey, you, we know we know what he can do when he's healthy. Yes, and and that that should just be on his. You know, it should be Sammy when he's healthy. Watkins should be his name because <laughs> that's all you ever say with him. But when he is healthy, I mean, he is he's every bit of a headache as Tyree Kill. Maybe not to the point where you know you're game planning against Sammy anymore because you're game planning for Tyreek and Kelsey. But to think you're spending time on Kelsey and Hill and then you have a healthy Sammy, that's scary. I mean, he had the, the play of the game in the Super Bowl, arguably. He's got Richard Sherman across the line, a Hall of Famer, and burns him. I mean, it's he's got it in him. It's kind of the same script as last year. He he had that big game against Jacksonville in week one, and he, he kind of disappeared. He had his injuries. He really wasn't involved in the offense, and kind of the same story here. And uh, – yeah, I mean, he, he, he was a participant at practice with that calf. Um, sounds like he's going to play. And you're not going to double-team this guy. He's going to draw one of your lesser cornerbacks in every situation. I mean, he could be a, a real key to the game. And, and he's, I think he's more competitive than, than people think. You know, he's obviously got he has all these wild beliefs. And as he wrote about extensively, like, he's he, – People can look at Sammy Watkins and think he's out there with these astral realms and entities in and out and playing the game and in your dreams the night before. I'm telling you, he can make you believe. He can make you believe. But there is a real competitiveness in there with this guy. I I, I cannot imagine how jacked up he is to play in this game um, against the team and a coach he was pretty honest about. You know, they, they did not see eye to eye on his way out the door. Yeah, I was gone at that time, so I, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad you, that story you wrote, you know, we still talk about it. You know, Whaley and I, we, we're just like, wow, there, there's stuff in there. We Obviously, we didn't know what was going on with him sometimes. Did you know but, about, like, the first, the, the, the depression, the drinking, the partying, any of that? I think a little bit of the partying. I don't think we knew the extent, yeah. and I don't think we knew how maybe – depressed he was and that might be the wrong word he might have a better you know might not be depressed but as, as long as he just wasn't himself but to, to your point about being competitive that Sammy Watkins the only thing that's held him back from being a superstar is injuries it really has and the injury is real I mean it you know obviously it comes up every year and you know the Rams knew it that's why they they probably didn't hold on to him and Chiefs are doing the best they can to probably manage him to get to this point they probably knew it. They probably sat him when they didn't have to. Um, but I can't wait to see him play. Like, when he's healthy, he's just fun to watch. I mean, he won't drop the ball. No. You know, he's still a big play threat. So, Is there another player, even on the Bills, that maybe we're not talking about? I mean, we should be. That could be a factor in this game. Because we know with Buffalo, it's always somebody new. Taron Johnson last week. You know, it's uh, Gabriel Davis in the wild card. Uh, who, who could be that? Because that's probably what the Bills need at Arrowhead, right? They, they kind of need somebody that maybe we're not thinking about, not talking about, step up and play hero. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how much they come out and try to get the running game involved, whether it's Singletary, 
or if they're going to try to throw to Singletary a little bit, maybe to just take some pressure off, get Josh some easy completions. Um, I just don't know, you know, it, they, the Bills have so many weapons right now, which is a good thing. And obviously the Chiefs are going to be game plan for Diggs to get him, you know, to, to not let him dominate the game. And then Josh Allen has to find ways to create. You know, it's one of the best thing he does, and you don't want to take that away from him. And that's what defense can't game plan for is when Josh is able to take off and make that big run and, and just it breaks your back as a defense. Yeah, and it's a lot of man in open space too. You know, it's not, it's not easy to bring down. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is the same size. We never saw Ben Roethlisberger in, in open space like this. I mean, there's really no com- comparable – Anybody comparable to Josh Allen at that size, with that athleticism, with that speed? Who am I missing here? Cam Newton. But did did Newton never? I guess early in his career, maybe he had that that fourth gear, that fifth gear, a little bit. Oh yeah, Cam was faster than Josh. Really? I think so. Yeah, but he he was more natural of a runner than Josh. Mm -hmm. Josh is a more natural passer, where Cam was a more natural runner. So Cam was getting by early in his career on his his speed and, and ability to, to make guys miss and ability to gain yards. Where Josh, Josh almost it almost looked like, okay, I'm fast, so I guess I'll run. But Josh fumbled a lot, and that tells me that he's not natural running with the football. Where he's you you know, but when you watch him throw the ball, he can make throws that Cam Newton can't make, never can make. So th- that's the difference between the two at that size. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, to see Mahomes and, and Josh Allen go at this, you know, this weekend, these teams are so identical statistically. Like, it's hard to find differences with them, you know, in the major stat categories, third down offense, third down defense, you know, points per play for offense, defense. They're I, I bet it, they're identical. They don't turn the ball over. They're, it's It's just, it screams quarterback will make the difference in this game. And we've talked a lot about it. I mean, it's the topic of the week. <laughs> we're, we're, are the Bills better off? I mean, we, we, we don't need to beat that dead horse. We, we've, everybody can go to episode one to talk about how that all went down. But, uh, it, I mean, you can't help but wonder, watching this game, the what could have been, the what is, the Bills end up with Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Trey White. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. We're, we're going to see. I mean, we're, we're going to see this on display and it, it's judgment day. This is the moment of reckoning. Whatever you want to call it, this is it, <laughs> isn't it? No, I mean, you can't script it any better, Jim. No, and, and you know, they the Bills win this game. And like I said, I've been picking them all. You know, I've been picking them all week. I, I feel like the Bills win this game. And that validates, you know, it, it gives them at least a sense of, okay, hey, we talked about it, but, hey, we passed on Michael Jordan. But, man, we made up for it, like, in a big way. Big time, big time. Um, anything else on this game? I mean, we know where you're leaning, Bills. Um, any, what do you think? Man, I've been going back and forth all week. Um, I think that there is something to that trait you can't really define, that intangible of somebody new stepping up every week for a team. I think it just speaks to – the, the locker room, it speaks to what you built as a team that just somehow, some way, I mean, you see you see these teams of, I hate saying teams of destiny, but there there are teams where, like, something just goes right, right when you need it. Um, we, we talk about the Packers a lot on here. That 2010 team, I mean, all the injuries the Packers had that season, they had no business making the playoffs. I mean, they had guys on IR, key guys, Ryan Grant or Michael Finley, like all over the place, uh, Morgan Burnett. And through that playoff, it was just somebody new. It was Desmond Bishop, shoestring tackling Deshaun Jackson in the wild card game. It's James Starks. It's Tremont Williams with a pick six against Atlanta. It's uh, got B.J. Raji, you know, and that, that zone blitz again on Caleb Haney with that interception. I mean, it's just one team, one example. But I feel like there's something in the air. The Bills have that. I don't know how you define it, but they've got it. I think they find a way to win at Arrowhead. I do. I mean – it's just like the Chiefs kind of got here in a weird way. I mean, they were rolling most of the season. The last month of the season, they, they, they really weren't. I mean, they kind of barely got by against Atlanta. Um, 
They were rolling against Cleveland, don't get me wrong, but now there's injuries a thing. You know, what, what do you got in Patrick Mahomes? I, I think that there's enough here to suggest that the Bills are, are, are a little hotter, a little more healthy, and they got that X factor that you can't define. There's a saying in the gambling world that good teams win, great teams cover. The Bills are incredible against the spread, especially these last, like, 11 games. The Kansas City Chiefs have not been good against the spread this year, which is shocking. And as much as that is a funny kind of statement, good teams win, great teams cover, there is something to it. It, It's a proven kind of thing. I mean, the great teams just – they find ways to just – Get a, the Chiefs were that last year where they were covering all the time. And that's the Bills right now. And that's why I'm like, I, I just, like, I, I'm not even going to take the points. I'm taking the Bills' money line. You know, let's 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 see what they got. I think they have every ability to win this game. What is the spread right now? Three. Yeah. Yeah. I think when they know, if they know Mahomes is playing, you might see some money go down on KC. It might creep up to the Bills plus four, maybe even five. I'm hoping, so I'm going to hold off, you know, before I walk over to Seneca to put that money line bet in. But, you know, I just I, – I really think, it, you know, I, I'm okay. I always say this with gambling. You need to be okay with the team you're taking. If they lose, you need to feel okay about that bet. Like, and I, if the Bills lose to Kansas City, that's okay. You know what? But I know they're going to give them a run – and I, I just feel like, that, you know, when you keep looking at it, you don't see mismatches. Like, I just don't see the mismatch. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, all right, Packers, Buccaneers, where do you want to start here? Oh, my gosh. Like, this is this is going to be so – I love that this is the first game, too. I personally think Green Bay wins this game. We'll get that right off the bat. They are so good on offense. It's scary. Points per play, third down, red zone touchdown percentage, all major factors. They're number one. Tampa's pass defense is not that good. Tampa's third down defense is not that good. So I I do feel like there is a little bit of edge for Green Bay, and they're so good in the first half that I think if Green Bay can at least get up on them right away, I think it's going to be tough for Tampa to come back and beat them. But if you see some crazy plays early where – you know how it goes. Sometimes, hey, a tip, Jason Pierre-Paul tips a, you know, tips a ball from Aaron Rodgers and gets picked. All of a sudden, then you got to start saying, okay, things are getting a little different here because neither team really turns the ball over. Tampa doesn't. Green Bay doesn't. Um, so you're not going to get wild plays from the quarterback. They're not, you know, they're not going to do that. They're not going to beat their team. Um, I just think Green Bay is the better team. I really do. Going to be some heavy hearts out there in Green Bay too with with Ted Thompson passing. Um, Really close with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that's who he drafted first, and you know, really, really put his neck on the line for him. Uh, moving I text, on, but, uh, I just texted Brian Gudikis today, the GM for Green Bay, and, and he hit me right back. And I just said, "Hey, you know, sorry about Ted. Good luck this weekend." But he hit me right back. Hey, great man. Good to hear from you. But you know, when you're growing up scouting with, you know, you're. I would always see Goody. You know, we call him Goody. Goody would always. You'd always see Ted Thompson and Goody at pro days, and. Ted was always just – you wanted to pick his brain. He didn't say a whole lot. But he was, he didn't he say was much always, stuff either. <laughs> right, right. And you would see him at schools. You'd see him at pro days. But you're like, man, this guy's you know, he's kind of a legend in the game. And it's like you just want to talk to him. But always nice, was always fun to talk to, you know, just not about football, just about anything if you're sitting around. And uh, definitely sad to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, real quick on Ted, it's just – so I was out there for, what, four and a half years, and I just – Remember that, that that conviction to make the tough decision, which is rare out of a GM. He would not let emotion or sentiment or feelings, you know, interfere. You know, he wasn't afraid to obviously move on from Brett Favre. But, like, it, it's kind of how he operated with every transaction, you know, and, and he, he did what was best for the Packers. And it sounds cliche, but it was so true for him. Um, now, he probably should have taken a chance here or there in free agency, but I'm not sure there was – somebody who drafted as well as him and his staff in the league. It was unbelievable. And the thing with Ted, one little story, I always remember at the Combine, you know, it's right when the fans have all these questions about who we got to sign, who we resign, who we like. And go. So as reporters, we're, we're, you know, trying to get answers. And he wasn't saying anything. 
And at one point he goes, he just kind of laughed himself and smiled. He's like, I, I guess I could, you know, be like George Costanza and just do the opposite of everything right now. You guys would probably love that. <laughs> I mean, I'm always a sucker for a Seinfeld reference, but that, that just killed me. He's like, he was self-aware. Like, he wasn't going to say anything, but he, he knew what he was doing, and he had a little fun with it. You know, I always used to feel for you guys as reporters at Senior Bowl or at the Combine when all the off-season transactions were about to be made. and You have to ask the question, but, you know, it's like nobody's going to give up anything. I used, to, I used to think, man, you know, is it is it just for you? Is it like did you feel like you're wasting time or, or could you get something out of those guys? You know, me personally, I'm not a press conference guy. I feel like – Press conferences are such productions, and everybody's kind of playing a role. You know, whoever's at the podium is playing a role. Whoever's asking a question is playing a role. It's not natural. It's not a conversation. It's not even an interview. It's just like, ugh, I can't stand it. I very rarely ask questions at any press conferences. Um, Part of it's the competitor in you. I mean, I, I work for Bob McGinn, who's, you know, the preeminent best B-writer in NFL history, and he doesn't ask anything at press conferences, so maybe it came from him, but, like, not letting your competition know what you're working on is a good thing. Um, But there's just – it's so much better to talk to a guy one-on-one than than, – you're you're actually going to learn something. You're going to get substance. There's no substance at press conferences. It's like we talked about, you know, with Joe Judge and we were debating that. I mean, he's sending a message to his team. Think about, like, if your boss, like, every day – just spoke at a podium about you and your, I mean, you would listen, you would want to know every word. I think it's so much about projecting an image to the public and sending a message to the team. It's not really about answering any questions that that much. Well, speaking of press conferences, Detroit Lions head coach, Dan Campbell. Well, that, that was, that was incredible. Now, you probably want to play for him tomorrow, don't you? I love it. I love it. You were all you 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 oh, were all about that. That was just a freaking chum in the water, man. Love it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you hated that. It's not my style. I can't think of too many. I can't think of the you know. I can't picture like you know Sean Payton and the Bill Belichick's and you know you think about the great coaches Andy Reid. Mike Tom, yeah, maybe Mike Tomlin maybe could go that route, but I don't think he would. I, I just don't know. That had more of a a little bit of a Rex Ryan feel to me. Oh yeah. Than it did a Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, Andy Reid feel. That being said, it was fun. You know, it, at the end of the day, who's their quarterback? Are they going? If they win, it's great. If they don't, they're those players. They're that kneecap stuff, and nobody's going to care. Why are you talking about non How do you eat a kneecap, Jim? Any experience? I want to know. I want to know what he's on. Yeah. I want to know how many surgeries he's had in his NFL career because I'm sure he's had a lot. And I think he's on some a lot of stuff that we probably need to get on if we want to be that way to talk about eating kneecaps or he. I, I all I kept hearing from him was how much they're going to get knocked down and how much they're going to keep getting up. I'm like, I'm like I, at some point you're you're allowed to knock the other team down too. Like you don't uh, have to be the one getting knocked down all the time. I really should have had it queued up, but everybody's probably heard it by now. But the best part of that, Jim, though, on the clip that kind of was going around, he he says shit or something at the start of it, and he apologizes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for using that language. And then he just talks about cannibalism. Like, I'm sorry for saying the word shit. Now let's talk about eating other humans. <laughs> he, you know, if he was trying to take the distraction away from the team and just put it on him, that's great. You know, that's I respect that. If he's like, hey, just – I'll take all the attention. You guys go play football. I'll coach you, get you in the right spots to win. I respect that. I don't know enough about him other than, wow, what I saw today was just, that's incredible. Here's uh, here's why I did like it, though. I feel everything I said I hate about press conferences just now, that felt authentic to me. That didn't, I mean, I'm sure there's a little production value there. Don't get me wrong. He knows all the cameras on him. This is the first time the public's hearing him talk. But I get the sense that's really how he coaches. That's really how he is. That's the real deal. And you know what? You don't get the real deal at press conferences very often. I think 
I think for most people that cover press conferences, that's, you know, that's thank you very much. Yeah, we need that. Because you're right, nobody says anything in press conferences. So that was, that part of it I, I agree with, and I think that is who he is. I don't think he was faking that. Man, sorry we got off the rails there. Uh, no, I had to bring it. I couldn't stop thinking about it because I just, oh, I just was laughing. Amazing, it was amazing. But yeah, you know, I told you, I'm, I'm good with taking Green Bay in this game. Um, I feel good about it. They'll find a way to get some pressure on Brady. Um, you know, I didn't think Tampa should have beat New Orleans. I don't. If Cook doesn't fumble that ball, I, I think, I think New Orleans wins that game. And that was with Drew Brees. Like he was horrible. And the Saints were going to beat them with not being able to throw the ball down the field. They're not going to see that this weekend. So, to me, I, I'm not sold on the, you know, one-year wonder Tampa team. We're just going to sign everybody and let's see what happens. They are playing. That being said, they are playing, like, ferocious on defense. Those, you know, we talked about it the other night with the linebackers, but Jason Pierre-Paul said their secondary is getting after it. I mean, they're playing, they're playing at the intensity level that you need to win and they're protecting Brady, which they have to do. I'm with you on Green Bay. I feel like there's that element of somebody new bound to step up with this team as well. A team, everybody said, they didn't have enough weapons. Well, clearly they do. And you don't know who it's going to be. It, it was A.J. Dillon against the Titans. It was, oh God, I mean, it was MVS at the third down catch. Alan Lazard had towing for the drop with the game-winning, game-stealing touchdown. Obviously, you know what you're going to get out of Devontae Adams. Bob Tunney doesn't drop anything. It's somebody new every week. I feel like whether it's Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, who wrote about a go long. I mean, he, he was physical in that Rams game. He was running hard. They just they can hit you in so many different ways. I think they'll figure out a way to kind of crack that front that Tampa has. And Aaron Rodgers, there's nothing that Aaron Rodgers hasn't seen. There's nothing that Tom Brady hasn't seen. Um, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think I don't – I don't. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if you can just wave a magic wand, sign all these guys. When's the last time a team did that in in this sport? You see it in the NBA, right? Like, you know, three guys team up and they're going to win three championships in a row. But football, ah, you don't you don't see it. There's, there is something to that meticulous build over time. Are we saying that we both think we agree that Green Bay and Buffalo are going to win? Yes, I'm with you all the way. So does that mean our fans should bet Tampa and Kansas City? I don't think we've been wrong on anything yet, Jim. I think we've been pretty good. Yeah. yeah, we've been pretty on. Yeah, I think we've been spot on. They always make a big joke on, like, you know, when the game's on NBC and they have, you know, the five or six people predicting the game. When they, Whenever they all pick the same, it, it, you know, it doesn't win. And it's like it's a big thing in the gambling world. Like, oh, boy. <laughs> You know, here we go. They all took the same team, so <laughs> take the other team. But because it's never that easy. But it's just, I, I just really believe in that Green Bay offense right now, and I, I do think that they're good enough on defense, you know, to, to keep that thing under control. Seems like a good spot to uh, transition on in, into our interview. What do you think, Jim? Anything else you want to hit on? We got a nice interview tonight, man. Lee Evans. We didn't we didn't mention it at the top, but you, hopefully you saw it in our. Uh, in our headline, in our uh, summary, wherever you listen to our podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere, Lee Evans, I mean, he gets into everything, right, Jim? I mean, it, it was great. I keep thinking how much he would love to play with, like, these quarterbacks this weekend. Like, Josh, like, for a guy like Lee Evans, if you get behind everybody, yeah, to see Josh Allen and Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, Brady, the way they throw the deep balls. Like, Lee Evans was probably like, this This is a weekend I wish I was playing, you know, with those guys. No doubt about it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Here's our conversation with Lee Evans. All right, we're back on the Go Long podcast. Tyler Dunn, Jim Monis, and we're lucky enough to be joined by uh, Bill Receiver Lee Evans, former Badger. Lee, can't thank you enough for joining us. Hey, first things first, what are you sipping on tonight? Uh, a little Italian wine. So Barbaresco. Is this a wine? Is this a wine from your wine shop in Virginia? Yeah, it is. It is. So I'm trying to venture into different regions. Uh, Italian. I'm drinking a couple of Italian wines that are pretty good. So I'm trying this Barbaresco out. So I'll let you know. Well, I know one thing. I mean, were were you drinking red wine when you were in Madison, or did this become something later in your life? 
Uh, it actually started in it started in Madison, but it grew in Buffalo. Okay. But at the time, uh, the head trainer, Bud Carpenter, he was a big wine guy, and so uh, him and Chris, they they you know they would I, I would go to different wine tastings and you know kind of you know shoot the shit with them a little bit about it. And so I kind of get uh, got into it a little bit more with them. Hey. That that was one of my favorite times of the year. It was around Christmas time in my locker in the Bills in the training staff room there. Bud Carpenter always, all of a sudden, a bottle would just appear in my locker. And, you know, from Bud Carpenter, I was like, man, yeah. good man, good man. Absolutely. Hey, so, Lee, what, you know, you were in Buffalo long enough. What, what can you imagine being here right now if things were normal for an AFC championship run? No, I mean, it's – it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to even think about. Um, I was I was talking I was talking to a friend of our Chris Jenkins yesterday, and um, you know he was just saying you know even dealing with social media like it didn't exist the last time the Bills had you know had this type of run. And so I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine the excitement, the, the energy, the pulse around the city has to be unbelievable. Where did you live when you were playing here? Where did you live? I know a lot of players like to live close to the facility because, you know, you got long days, long nights. Did you live out in the OP? I did. Well, I, I, my my rookie year I lived downtown. And then I moved to I moved to Hamburg and then moved to Orchard Park. So, yeah. Yeah, I live downtown right now. It's like, you know, downtown Buffalo has come a long way. come a long way. Come a long way. But I still come back every year for a game and, you know, kind of, you know, with my parents and, you know, do a tailgate. So I've been able to see downtown to see how much it's grown. It's unbelievable. So, Lee, as a, as a former front office guy like myself, you know, I'm always intrigued by the backgrounds and the scouting of players. You know, you're, you're from Bedford, Ohio. Um, go to Wisconsin. What were your other choices? Like, who did you narrow it down to when you were coming out of high school? Uh, well, I took I took visits to uh, Boston College, Notre Dame, Michigan State, West Virginia, um, and 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 Ohio State. You know, cause the backyard. So you know, so those those were the ones that I really narrowed it down to. Was Wisconsin? You know, for a receiver to go to Wisconsin, you know, that did you have any reservations for that, or you were just sold on the whole program and the university? Well, they came after me early, and so they offered me my junior year. And part of that was because a guy I went to college with, or went to high school with, went to Wisconsin, Chris Chambers. So we went to high school together. He ended up going to Wisconsin, and then when I went up there, obviously, you know, it's always good to have a familiar face. Um, so it was, it was, uh, but it was a, a great decision, and. You know, even though we run ran the ball a lot up there, they still they still found ways to throw it down the field. Yeah, and that's all you really cared about. At least, hey, give me my opportunities, I'll make the most of them. Yeah. So, you know, you look at Josh Allen right now for the Bills, who has made this. You know, after you know the first two years, to be honest with you, Lee was very shaky in my opinion for him as a as an accurate quarterback down the field, intermediate, all of it. He was all over the place. How when you watch him? You know, as a deep threat kind of, you know, big play receiver like yourself, I mean, with an arm like his, so nothing's, you know, nothing's ever going to die for you. You can you can be 60 yards down the field. The play's still alive. Mm-hmm. Are you are you impressed with his improvement, or did you see this coming? No, I didn't see it coming. I mean, it's, it's, it's special to watch because he makes it look easy. And, you know, he makes difficult throws look easy. He makes long throws look easy with just, you know, kind of the flick of a wrist, it looks like. And so it's, um, you know, I, you couldn't have seen this progression coming. You know, when he first came in, he was talking about, you know, I love to take hits. Like, I got to take a hit to warm up. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's the wrong mindset to have as a quarterback. And so to see him mature from that has been, been unbelievable. Well, you dealt with, you know, a guy that was drafted, you know, with JP as, you know, the hope that he would be the guy in Buffalo. Did you have to, like, did you see things with him? Because he was a runner as well. Were you like, hey, man, you don't always have to run. Like, you know, maybe did you have to, like, help him with that stuff? Or was it just so instinctual for him to run and run? 
Yeah, I mean, JP wasn't a natural runner. I, I, I would say JP was more, uh, you know, he had some escapability. He was, you know, he was athletic, so he liked to use that. But he wasn't, he wasn't a natural runner. He liked to throw it down the field. And, you know, if it was anything, he was, you know, he, 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 the reason why I love him is because he would throw it. You know, he would let it go. He would let it go down the field. And, you know, you live with, you know, you live with the results. And he trusted me a lot to do that with me. And so, you know, we still have a great relationship to this day. That's kind of cool. Um, Lee, Tyler Dunn is joining us, my podcast partner. He's on here. Good to be here, Lee. Thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Lee, you know, JP, you know, as a scout and a front office guy, JP's kind of a nightmare for scouts <laughs> because – you see the you see the athleticism, you see the arm, right? The toughness. It's like, how does a guy like that not succeed? And do you do you think it had to do with like, do you think he was thrown into the fire? It was just too much for him at first, or um, and I'm not really necessarily just talking about JP, but quarterbacks in general. How much does the system and the program, the culture, help a rookie quarterback? Well, it's huge, and you know, unfortunately for. You know, for JP at the time, you know, he was drafted by a coach who left after two years. And so you bring in another coach, you know, that coach has his own his own philosophy and way of doing things. And, you know, they draft another quarterback. And so it was always, you know, there, there was never any stability. And so, you know, for him... You know, and, and and like many people, I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of guys came through at that time, and it, you know, it was just a kind of a turbulent time um, in 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 the organization. And so, you know, he got he really got caught up in. I mean, you really see it as a quarterback. He really got caught up into that. But you know, he he, he was a he, he was a fighter, and he loved to play. He played with a lot of heart, a lot of energy, and you know, he brought that to the field. And you know, some people liked it, some people didn't, and you know, and, you know, the way, you know, year after year, and I were trying to, you know, create something different. So, you know, it was just, it was unfortunate the way that ended. We talk on this podcast a lot about quarterbacks, and I was fortunate enough to be around Drew Brees mm-hmm. and with the Saints for like eight years. And, you know, with what you just said about JP, I think is important. When these guys are tough, as a receiver, as any player on the team, you're going to want to keep fighting for those guys if you feel they're tough. And I think Josh Allen has won his team over with that toughness those first two years, regardless of the inaccuracies and whatever happened, the decision-making. They said, hey, he's given us everything he's got. Now he fine-tuned it, and I think it's sky's the limit for the Bills. I, I really think they can win this game. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know that what you see is a team playing together, right? Like they look like a a, a complete team. Um, you know they got you know the special teams are good with the return guy Roberts. You know the defense is very opportunistic and a lot of guys flying around making plays out there, veterans. And you know the offense can put up points. You know with the best of them. So you know you see a real a full team that you know they're they're an AFC championship for a reason. They've earned. You know, they've earned the right to be there, and, you know, hopefully they can go and get a win uh, this weekend. Lee, I mean, just following you at growing up here in Western New York myself, you know, from 04 to 2010, mm-hmm. it just seemed like, you know, that hype machine in, in Western New York, it would it would refuel, it would recharge, I don't know, what, three, four, five times over in your career? Like, yeah. as, as, like, the most talented player on that team of in this era – I mean, how difficult is it when you get all ex- – I mean, you're probably with that hype, too. You're getting excited about the next quarterback, the next coach, this is it. And then things kind of fall apart. And then it comes back, and then it falls. How mentally, as a really good player that knows, hey, I'm in another system, like, I'm going to playoffs here and out, to go through that again and again and again and again. Well, you know, as a player, you know, you're just trying to do whatever you can to, you know, to win. And, you know, when something's not working and you make a change and you believe in that change and you go after it with that change. And so, you know, it doesn't take till later on when you look back and be like, ah, you know, I was in Buffalo for seven years and played for four different GMs. Yeah, that's a little bit of a problem, you know. But when you're going through it, you know, you're you're welcoming new guys in and you're trying to make the best of it because you just want to go out there and play hard and win. 
can you think can you think of this, Tyler and Lee too? But Lee Evans, correct me if I'm wrong. Lee Evans, Terrell Owens, Stevie Johnson. You guys were the receiving core for the Bills. Is that correct, Lee? Yeah. Can you think of three wideouts? I, I can't think of a team that could put out three better wideouts than that. And their skill sets were all different, which made it, to me, which made it perfect. Did you guys feel that way, Lee? Like, wow, we're loaded. Yeah, I mean, we felt like we had a ton of talent. I mean, when they brought when they brought Owens in, like, I was ecstatic about it. Because, you know, for a number of reasons. One, I watched him growing up, right, you know, and so and seeing everything that he's done in his career and being able to, you know, kind of pick his brain and, and, and learn from him. And, you know, so we had him and Stevie was just coming up and Rosso was still there who was, you know, dynamic in his own right. Um, so, you know, we, we, we certainly felt like we had the talent. Um, you know, at the time, I think Turk was there and, you know, Alex Van Pell, guys who had been around and, you know, knew how to get the ball around the different people. Um, so, you know, we, we were excited about it. I, mean, I remember I was on vacation when I got the call that, uh, that uh, Owens was coming. And, um, and, I, and I, was, I was super excited. You probably like the, why can't I get a key to the city? I've been here the whole time. What the hell? I look, he certainly earned it. He, he earned his stripes all throughout the league. So, no, I didn't feel slighted. Was it, what was it like being his teammate? Because, I mean, it was a rough season. There were more downs than ups that year. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I mean, and, you know, you know, you know, he, he, he is a big personality. So he, he was a, but he was, he was a great guy, a lot of fun to be around, always brought energy. You know, even, you know, even for practice, he'd be one of those energy guys out there practicing and, you know, chipping with, talking with the DBs and getting them fired up. So, you know, he was, he was, he was a lot of fun to be around. I, I'm not sure, Jim asked, just as a connoisseur of the position, Lee, like, is there somebody left in the playoffs that you just really love watching as a wide receiver yourself? Like, who, who do you study? Who do you really admire out there? Diggs. I love Diggs. I love Diggs. When 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 Buffalo picked Diggs up, I told I said that's a, that's a power move for Buffalo, and you know he's 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 not disappointed in any way. Uh, but I really I really like Diggs. I like Adams as well over there in Green Bay. Um, you know Tampa Bay has a ton of a ton of talent over there, so you know you see a lot of those guys. Mike Evans is a guy I follow back when he was at A and M. So uh, so yeah, it's still a lot of guys playing right now that. That I still watch and still admire and and look at and you know respect them a lot. You know, Lee, when we're scouting receivers, a lot of times we we have a phrase. Well, I have a phrase I call you know a lot of receivers are dads, dime a dozen, where you know every guy can kind of look the same sometimes to me. And what separates receivers to me, it's either is it your size or your speed, your route running, your run after the catch. You know, Diggs, to me, his route running and natural ability to flash his hands late and break tackles and, and make plays after the catch, that's what makes him different than other guys. What is that? What do you like when you see receivers? What are you looking for? Well, one, he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. So all you got to do is get the ball in his hands. And, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, going to make something happen with it. Either way, and then you look at them. You look at them running routes. I mean, it's just very smooth, very fluid, and very natural. And you know, and, and, and explosive. So you know, it's hard. It's hard for a DB to get a beat on him. I mean, he's he's as he's as explosive of a or dynamic of a route runner as you know as there is. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch, and you know, a lot of fun. You know, when he gets in his bag, and you know, and he's feeling good. Yeah, it's a good thing to watch, and and. And when Allen's putting them on the money to him, you know, it's sweet to watch. Man, all right, well, Lee, like, let's—you'd be nuts to pick against Buffalo, obviously. Like you said, they got—they got a shot. So, like, is when you watch the Bills in this game, like, is there part of you? Obviously, you're rooting for him as a fan, but is a part of you like with the team after everything you've been through, you know, all the tough times? You're part of that drought, like. Do you feel like you're kind of out there? And, and I guess what would that feeling really be like? Yeah, I mean, certainly in spirit. And obviously, you know, I'm not playing there now, but I still know a number of people in the, you know, in the front office. 
Um, not really many, many of the players, but, you know, people with the organization. So, you know, know what, what they've gone through when I was there and to see them in positions now where there's a lot of success going on. And I'm just extremely happy for them and, and happy for the city, right? I mean, the city has been, you know, it's been a long time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a tragedy that, you know, we're in this COVID situation and, you know, the stadium couldn't be packed full of fans because, you know, that would be a site like none other in the league. Just what is your best memory at, at the Ralph, I guess it was then? I mean, what a play, a game, a moment, like what do you cherish to, to this day? You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, obviously, I'll never forget my first game because um, that was just, you know, very exciting as a rookie stepping out there and the fans being just electric pre-game, right? <laughs> Before the game even starts, first game of the year. Um, so I, I always remember that. I remember the game where the power went out, right? We had to play, you know, without the power. So that was, you know, that was interesting. Um, but, you know, so it's a whole host of, you know, memories with, with, you know, even interactions with fans. I did the Lambo Leap one time, and that was the only time I ever did that because <laughs> yeah, that's not as cool as you think. <laughs> but, no, I just beer getting spilled on you. And beer all that. everywhere. It's like, okay. <laughs> Grabbing you. Yeah. So, uh, but that, you know, that's fun. But like I said, it's a number of memories that I have of playing there. And, you know, so I can, you know, just imagine, you know, what it's like being in this situation now where, playing in the biggest game of the year and everybody's watching. Awesome. Lee, you went against, um, you know, Revis when he was young. Um, were there, what corners, what corners gave you fits as a receiver that you were like, man, he's tough? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of talented guys out there, and, you know, but uh, then you realize you play a lot of talented defenses as well, the way they scheme up on you and, and play, but Revis was certainly uh, he, he was certainly really good. Champ Bailey, when I played against him, you know he, he you know he played kind of a cat and mouse game. Woodson, kind of the same way. Um, my rookie year, I played against Chris McAllister, and you know that was that was kind of for me because he was long, strong, athletic. You know, as a rookie, that one was you know that was that was as tough of a challenge for me as, as, as anything. So. Um, but yeah, it's a lot a lot of guys who, you know, come around. But, you know, being in Buffalo my rookie year, I learned from a bunch of good corners who we had on the team. Nate Clemens, Troy Vincent, you know, those guys being around challenging me every day, you know, certainly made me better. Hey, I gotta tell this Chris McAllister story since you brought his name up. So when I was in the front office with the Bills, Rex Ryan was our head coach and Chris McAllister was our training camp kind of intern coach because he played for Rex in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the nicest, but yet I knew he was crazy, kind of tough, just mm-hmm. talking to him. So this was when Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey was doing some big things in the, you know, in MMA, UFC. And the conversation was, could Ronda Rousey knock out, you know, Mayweather, somebody, like a guy. And we were talking about it up on the fifth floor in St. John Fisher and our little lounge that we used to hang out in all the coaches and scouts at night would be talking. And it came up, could, could Ronda Rousey, would, would you be afraid to fight her? Chris McAllister looked at us, and he said, she weighs 135 pounds. He said, I could pick her up and snap her back in two seconds. And I just was staring at him like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's the best way I, I heard anybody describe that whole Ronda Rousey thing. And I'm sorry, I had to I had to tell that story because that's how he played, though. That's how he played, right, Lee? Yeah, yeah, he did. Like I said, I mean, he had he had all the intangibles. He was he was long, he was athletic, he was strong, and he played the ball well. So, you know, and it was my rookie year, so you know that one was, you know, I, I lost a little sleep that night for sure. <laughs> Oh man, well, good, good. St- I'm good. That was that was amazing, Lee. Yeah, Lee. Uh, thanks for all the time, man. We we really appreciate it. Um, we just wanted to get you know the fact that you were here for those tough years in Buffalo. Now they're having the glory years, but you were a part of you know you. I always think the old you know the the ex players like Eric Molds and Lee Evans who we had. You know, it's just you guys were a part of this, and um, it's cool to see that you're still following football and have those stories. And man, really nice to have you on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So it's always good talking Buffalo.
guys that have come back up there and, you know, the fans have always treated me great, and uh, so I, I love I love coming back and still interacting with everybody in Buffalo. So, so I appreciate cool. you having me. If they win a Super Bowl, I imagine they'll, the Pagoules will probably just welcome back like everybody who's ever played since you know that's a, it's going to be the party of all parties if they if they uh, win. I'd imagine. Um, it'll, it'll be a party till opening day the next year. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, Lee. Great to see you, man. Indeed, thank you. See you, Lee. Thanks.